Bless you, my friend. Bless you. You may be seated. Certainly appreciate the privilege and honor to be here tonight. Amen. <clears throat> um, I was having dinner with a acquaintance a couple years ago, and he was from Augusta, Georgia. Now, I said that, and a lot of people, Augusta, Georgia. But if you hit a little round white ball, And he said, he said, I know families that rent out their one bedroom for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, anywhere from 500 to 1500 to $2,000 just to watch some guys hit a little white ball. And so there are millions of eyes centered on Augusta, Georgia the next few days. I don't think there are many eyes centered on the old campground, Sterling, Alaska, but the eyes of one that makes all the difference in the world are centered here. Amen. Brother Playel, I agree. Uh, living in the Midwest for a number of years, uh, there's a big old muddy river that flows from Minnesota to Louisiana, and uh, it has a tendency to flood. And you can go by some of those Mississippi River towns, and uh, a lot of them somewhere in the town, they'll have a, a marker. I'd like for us to set a high water marker. I mean, we've come expecting to have a great time, but I, I really would like for everybody to leave here and say this really was the best. Amen. I don't want to leave here just being touched by the presence of God. I want to be changed. Amen. Praise God. Uh, it was a little different driving into the old campgrounds tonight. Uh, a little different uh, coming back home. <clears throat> but I was telling Brother Jim Dillon, Salem, Oregon, the other day. I said, Brother Dillon, I, I, I have appreciated the, the family of God, but I have a whole new, fresh, greater appreciation for the family of God than I've ever had. And I thank you for the prayers. Thank you for the uh, post on Facebook and uh, <clears throat> what do you call that on your phone? Uh, text, text that I've gotten. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Amen. Uh, there are some, some churches and uh, the pastor, towards the end of the year, 
will get 52 messages in the mail. I'm serious. I'm, I'm, I'm not. They'll get 52 messages in the mail, which he will preach the 52 Sundays of the coming year. It's hard for us to imagine that, but that does take place. And uh, honestly, I, <laughs> I had a message all picked out. Uh, I don't know about some guys, but I kind of like to preach my message to myself before I preach. I'll get alone by myself. Sometimes somebody will come through the room, my wife or one of the kids. What was that, Dad? Oh, that's okay. I'm just, just trying it out. They said Winston Churchill, when they were looking at his notes after he passed away, speeches that he wrote and gave off to the side when, when he mentioned something, he said, there will be applause here. So they'll really be with me here. <laughs> oh, my. But I'm telling you, not more than five minutes ago, there had been a song going through my mind today, and, and uh, the Lord spoke to me. So if this doesn't turn out like uh, you think it should, uh, just talk to the Lord tonight and tell him, hey, uh, do something with Churchill the next time, would you? <laughs> Exodus chapter 15. Now, uh, there's about, I'd say, a, a half hour per bottle. So let's see, hour, hour and a half, two and a half hours here. Amen. Amen. Like, oh, man. <laughs> like Brother Playle said, I don't think we have anywhere to go. My friend, Brother Jeff Arnold, says, he says, I don't know why it is, but it seems like uh, people go everywhere and get involved in everything, but uh, church is the only place they come to have leaving on their mind. <laughs> I don't want to have leaving on my mind tonight. Amen. Exodus 15, verse 23. When they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the press. He cried unto the authorities. He cried, No, he just cried unto the Lord. And the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance. Wow. And there he them. So I just really for a few minutes, Pastor Blackshear gave me permission to, to really preach tonight. So, uh, but I, I, I want to speak on the subject bittersweet. Bittersweet. Can, can we pray, Lord Jesus? Help us tonight, oh God. Oh God, I pray. Oh God, let your word accomplish what you would in our hearts, God. Be with us, Lord, tonight. Hallelujah. 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 
Hallelujah. That bright light was just shining on, on my notes, and I couldn't see them. And without them, I can't preach. Amen. You may be seated. Now, this story we have here in Exodus 15 uh, teaches us a very important lesson. And that is that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, can take the bitter experiences of life and make them sweet. Amen. Paul said to the Roman church concerning the Old Testament records, they were written for our learning, Romans 5.14. He told the Corinthians, they are written for our admonition, 1 Corinthians 10.11. So the Bible we hold in our hands tonight, it is a lamp, it is a light, and its instruction is unerring. I said its instruction is unerring. Amen. No errors in the Word of God. Praise God. Holy men of old, they penned words moved on by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. A number of writers, but one author. Praise God. And he does not make mistakes. Amen. So, some guidelines from this passage. And first of all, such experiences. Mara means bitter. Such bitter experiences are a part of God's plan for all of us. Proverbs 14.10 says, The heart knoweth his own bitterness. I like to have fun. I enjoy life. But life is more than a big laugh. Life is meant to be serious. It's not a romp between birth and obituary. But life is a training period. Life is a school. God's trying to teach us something when we come to our Mara experiences. Praise God. And when you are experiencing trouble, just stop. Look around you. It'll only take you a moment to discover the whole world's on your side. You have have Bible for that. There hath no temptation. The better rendition there is testing. There hath no testing taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. God is faithful. Nobody can stand here tonight and say, God has not been faithful to me. God is a faithful God. Hallelujah. Praise God. When he writes and says, uh, amen, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. Hallelujah. Times we have to take that by faith. Uh, We look around and say, how in the world uh, can this come to good? But we have faith in a faithful God. Uh, Amen. And some things we'll never understand till we get to the other side. Uh, But we all have had experiences. Uh, When we were going through them, you were wondering, what in the world? What good can come out of this? Uh, But you were faithful to God. God was faithful to you, and he brought you through it. He will not suffer you to be tested above what you're able, but will with the testing. Also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Amen. Jesus 
One day he took a little child, brought him right into the middle of it all. And he plainly said, except you become as a little child, you, you, you can't enter the kingdom of God. What is it about a child? Anybody? Simplicity? Okay. It's telling me I've got to stay right here. Okay. They, uh, they tend to believe you. Amen. Take you at your word. Hold you to your word. <laughs> but God said, you've got to become as a little child. And if you have had children or have young children now, that two or three-year-old doesn't get up in the morning and tell mom what he's going to wear, what she's going to wear. They come down to the breakfast table. There's no menu handed to them. They eat what's put on the table. Amen. They go where mom and dad goes or mom and dad lets them go. They come home when mom and dad said, be home. Amen. But with human beings, we get to the point where, uh, Brother Wicker, did you lay out your son's clothes today? <laughs> gets to the point where kids can, you know, kind of choose their, you know, their, clo <laughs> their clothing. You start giving them leeway to, to go places without you. You start, you know, letting the rope get a little bit longer, a little bit longer. And that is expected. But with the children of God, we don't get to the place where we think, well, I can do it how I want to do it. I can go where I want to go. I can, you know, no, no, no. We are always dependent on him. Now, I don't know about you, but in my uh, 74 years of living, <clears throat> there have been times I've gotten in situations and I've kind of stepped back and scratched my head and asked myself, how in the world did I get here? Anybody else? And at first, you kind of have a little pity party, party you know. What did I do to deserve that? Bye -bye. But many times you can look back and you remember somebody gave you some advice, but you thought you were big enough, you knew enough that, well, I won't take that person's advice. I won't take my pastor's advice. I won't take my dad, my, you know. And you end up in a situation that's nobody's fault but your own. But now... If God indeed is our heavenly father. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty certain about you that probably in the morning you pray and say, God, would you please direct my steps today? God, would you lead and guide me today? Lord, I don't know what's out there today, but you do, Lord. And there may be some bumps in the road. There may be some things that I 
particularly don't care for, but Lord, as long as I know that you're leading me and you're guiding me, amen, as long as I know, Lord, <laughs> and know that you wouldn't lead me somewhere you wouldn't want me to go, hallelujah, oh, friends, hallelujah, so when you get to a bitter experience, uh, Amen. You need to check first and see, you know, well, hey, is this something I've done? But if not, you, you just have to say, Lord, uh, I realize you brought me to this point. Amen. So what happened to Israel was not an accident. God brought them to Mara. He brought them to a place where the water was bitter and they were thirsty. Psalms 107.7 says, He led them forth by the right way. Mara was God's choice. And since it was God's choice, there must be purpose and meaning. That is the first important lesson in life. Amen. When God brings you to that valley, amen, he's got purpose, he's got meaning in bringing you there. Nothing is without purpose or meaning in life except sin. Amen. I said nothing is without purpose or meaning in life except sin. The wages of sin is death. Moses told Israel, Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. Now notice this. Why? Number one, to humble you. Number two, to prove you. Number three, to know what was in your heart. And number four, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. Praise God. God brought you there. Hallelujah. Amen. To keep you humble. Amen. That old wicked, sinful thing of pride rises in our hearts so many times. Amen. And really, we don't have anything to be proud about. None whatsoever. Praise God. Amen. To keep you humble. Amen. To prove you. To know what's really in your heart. It's in those dark times. It's in those bitter times that what is deep on the inside begins to come out. Everything is fine on the mountaintop and the blessings are flowing and there's no sickness. You just got a raise and everything is going just fine. But oh, when you get in the valley... When you get to a bitter experience, hallelujah, amen, you can have a song in your heart in the night. After every testing, after every trial, anybody can sing when the sun's shining bright, but you need a song in your heart uh, at night. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. The real you will show forth uh, when the pressure's on. There's a big, big difference between battle-tested veterans and green, inexperienced troops. Brother Mike, ask any commander, why, God, are you doing this to me? Oh, why, God? God's purpose is never personal distress. Do you, you hear me? The enemy will try to tell you that right at the get-go. <laughs> God's just bringing distress and trouble on you, and he's just stepped back, and he's kind of laughing at you. 
No, 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 no. God's purpose is never personal distress. Why? He loves us too much. His purpose is growth. His purpose is development. His purpose is experience. How are you going to get the experience, David? If you just go from the sheepfold to the throne. Amen. Praise God, but I just heard, uh, amen, anywhere from 9 to 15 years, David is hounded by Saul, not knowing what tomorrow's going to hold, not knowing what's going to come of it all, except uh, he remembered oil being poured on his head. He remembered the Spirit of the Lord coming upon him. He remembered being anointed king, and he said, God, I don't understand why I'm going through this, but I know one day your word is going to come to pass. And David becomes a man after God's own heart. Uh, not because, amen, when everything was going fine and everybody's paying tribute, uh, but those hard, hard years. Uh, how do you think he felt? I forget the name of the city. He went down fleeing from Saul. And uh, he went out and I think fought the Philistines and protected the city from the Philistines. And then he gets word that Saul is coming, and he goes to the Lord, and he said, well, will the people of this city deliver me up to Saul if I stay here? God said, yeah, they will. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You, you've delivered them. You helped them. The lessons in the classrooms vary. Joseph Conrad called this the reward of the tempest. It's the realization by man of his own developing strength of spirit, mind, and body that he is created to be victorious. We sing an old song. Victory, victory shall be mine. If I hold my peace, let the Lord fight my battles. Victory is going to be mine. Victory is going to be mine. I don't care what the circumstances are saying right now. The last chapter hasn't been written, friend. The book's not over. Hallelujah. Amen. But we are promised victory. We are promised victory tonight. Hallelujah. It's guaranteed, friends. Woo! That's something to worth worth about shouting about, getting excited about. Anybody here uh, read Hardy Boy books? Oh, I loved Hardy Boys. And uh, I'd go to bed at night, and uh, I'd, I'd, I'd be reading a Hardy Boy book. And Mom would come to the bottom of the stairs and holler up. Son, turn that light off. Go to, go to bed now. Go to sleep. Yeah, 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 Mom, yeah. And she'd do that two or three times. But then I'd see a shadow, and she's standing by the light switch. And Joe and Frank are in a very precarious position. 
I said, Mom, get, give me 30 seconds. And I know a lot of people don't like this, but I'd, Mike, I'd turn to the back of the book. And I'd read the last couple pages. Everything came out fine. Yeah, Mom, turn it on. I can go to bed now. Hey, go home tonight and read the back of the book. Read the back of the book. We win, we win. Hallelujah, we win. I read the back of the book and we win. And the devil loses. Oliver Wendell Holmes said, the greatest gift life could give a man is a sense of having held on alone in the dark, sustained only by faith. And friend, you're not born with that. That has to be wrought in you. That has to come into you from somewhere else. Hallelujah. Amen. But I'm telling you, friend, uh, when pastor isn't there and the youth leader's not there and the choir's not there and nobody's there to encourage you, you can be like David at Ziglag. Hallelujah. Amen. When it's bottom of the barrel. Amen. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Hallelujah. And you're never alone. He is with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Hallelujah. So, thank God for Mara. Thank God for the bitter experiences. Has anybody ever been through some bitter experiences? You know, you look back at times when uh, maybe you run, ran out of gas. In the middle of the night, you're out there hitchhiking. Nobody's stopping. You walk and walk and walk, and, you know, get the gas and get back there. And, you know, it, it wasn't a fun time. But I guarantee you, down the road, you get together with friends and you'll start talking about it. And you're laughing. <laughs> you should have seen me out there at 1 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Praise God. It's, it's that way, friends. Amen. The bitter experience is going to be turned to joy someday. Hallelujah. What are you going to trade to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Praise God. Now, the second point here is a point of peril that really needs to be avoided. Because in the bitter experiences, there's a tendency to, uh, to react immediately in a very unfortunate way to murmur. Israel griped and complained and Moses, their leader, was a convenient target. Amen. Huh. Did, you ever, did you ever feed your dog or forget to feed your dog or your, your cat? You know, and two hours after feeding time, you call him over, and, man, his tail is wagging, and his tongue is lolling out, and he's just as happy. I don't think dogs complain. (laughs) 
But I think it's one of the favorite pastimes to humanity. And it's just another proof that man's inherited nature, nature lacks something. Our, our nature is tainted. And the first thing that comes, murmur. I'm going to give you a quick English lesson here. Get your thinking caps on because it's pretty difficult. The word murmur is made up of two sounds. Teacher, mur, mur. And when we murmur, instead of trusting God, we're behaving like babies. We turn from minstrels to mutineers. What took place just before Mara? Does anybody know without looking in your Bible? What took place? Oh, because of what? Yeah. One of the greatest victories that these people ever saw. That Red Sea parted, walls of water on each side. The wind blows. It's not muddy. It's not treacherous. It's dry. And they're walking over on dry ground. They're looking and seeing all kinds of uh, marine life around them. They get to the other side. And they're almost in a daze when Moses stretches out the rod and the waters come together and the Egyptians are swept away and drowned. And wow, all of a sudden, woo, there is victory in the camp. <laughs> they're rejoicing. I don't know where she got it, but Miriam got a hold of a tambourine and she led them in a rousing song of victory. The Red Sea victory was a big one. Huge, Brother Mike. Three days. Not three weeks, not three months, three days. Paul mentioned this in one of his messages in Acts. He said, the God of this people of Israel chose our fathers, exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt, and with a high arm brought he them out of it. And about the time of 40 years suffered he their manners in the wilderness. So many times the children of Israel acted like spoiled, sulky children. Now, I know none of our children or none of our grandchildren are never spoiled or, you know, they never get on the nerves of other people. <laughs> no. You know, after a while, you're thinking, will that mother do something with that kid? I see him in restaurants, and I feel so sorry for the waitress after. There's more food on the floor than was on the table. And mom and dad haven't done a thing. Maybe leave 50 cents for a tip. Spoiled. At some point, if that isn't taken out of the child, you're going to have a brat 
And you're going to have someone that as they grow and develop, aren't going to want to be around them. They're not going to have many friends. And these Israelites, time and time and time again, he suffered their bad manners. Israel, what made you act that way? What makes people today, you know, oh, it's so easy to turn back thousands of years and point our fingers. Uh, but, oh, there are still people today that act the same way. Ask any pastor in the house. What makes people act that way? It's, it's really very simple, no brainer. One reason, one reason alone, unbelief. We look at the situation instead of looking to the Savior. We look at the symptoms instead of the surgeon. I had to fly up to Minnesota for an unexpected funeral of one of my sister-in-laws. And uh, my younger brother, like a good younger brother, went out and got me a six-pack of Diet Dr. Pepper. And you know that, that plastic that, you know, is is between the, you know, the bottles and stuff. Well, I got to the last bottle, and I went to pull that plastic off. And, and Mike, I wasn't pulling that hard. But I came kind of a jerk, and I heard two pops in my left shoulder. And I almost went to the floor. And so from March 16th to this very day, I, I mean, I... Ibuprofen and Tylenol have become good, good friends and prayer. But uh, uh, I went and had x-rays yesterday and went and saw Dr. Bote today. He came in, and some of the first things he started to ask me, what are your symptoms? And, man, I, I'm, I'm concerned about the symptoms, you know, Take a towel after you shower and you throw it over your back and start to do this motion. Oh. Yeah, just certain ways you reach and oh. So I was very good at letting him know what the symptoms were. And I'm tied up on the symptoms. And for a while I didn't realize, you know what? The answer to these symptoms is standing right here in front of me. This man looked at me in a little, I mean, it didn't take long, Brother Rick. He said, I'm going to take care of it. You're going to be okay. Amen. So many times we look at the symptoms. We caught up in the symptoms uh, and the Savior, the answer to what you're facing is standing right in front of you. Hallelujah. God, if you can open the Red Sea. God, if you can bring down hail. God, if you can smite the firstborn, surely you can take care of some bitter water. Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Not only is he the beginner of this thing, but he is the finisher of it. God never undertakes what he is unable to finish. Hallelujah. Amen. I said, he's able to finish this thing, friend. <laughs> Amen. And friends, I don't know about you, but I think, Pastor Blackshear, 
I think we're coming around that last bend, and I think the finishing line is not too far down the way. It's no time now, friend, amen, to turn aside. No time, amen, to get your eyes off Jesus. Keep your eyes on the goal. He's brought you this far. He'll take you all the way home. Praise God. Paul said in retrospect of Abraham, that Abraham's faith in God was being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was also able to perform, Romans 4.21. And friend, that conviction takes the baby. It takes the murmuring out of you. Amen. It's a dimension of a real man. Remember, the ship will never, never sink as long as he's on board. Master, master, carest thou not that we perish? They thought they were going to the bottom. They failed to realize that the one who made the sea, hallelujah, was there in the boat with them. I don't care how bad the storm got. The boat was not going down as long as he was in the boat. Hey, friend, as long as he is the captain of your life, uh, you're not going to run shipwrecked. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Don't murmur. Don't complain. It's so easy to do it, yes. And I'm, I'm sure all of us have at one time or another. Amen. But I trust you're learning from one Mara experience. Amen. Probably the most familiar, well-loved psalm is what? Psalm 23, 23rd Psalm. Is that strange to anybody here tonight? And uh, back in, I think it was 1992, my wife and I were privileged to go to Israel. And outside of Jericho, we're going up the hill. I looked and I said, surely this is a one-way road. And somebody else was thinking that and asked the driver, is this a one? No, it's not one way. <laughs> and there were times people sitting in front, the, the driver is sitting behind the front wheels, okay? So there were times he made a left-hand curve, and those sitting in the first couple of seats... <laughs> In a little bit, he stopped and we got out, and he said, this is the valley of the shadow of death. Wow, yeah, wow. And David wrote, yea, though I walk in, yea, though I walk through, through. Keep that in mind, friend, the bitter experience. You're walking through it. There may be times it seems like you're just marking time. Maybe times you think you're just taking baby steps, but you're, you're, you're making your way through it. And that verse took on a whole new meaning to me. December 17th. A whole new meaning. The valley got deeper and darker than I ever experienced in my life. Amen. But David didn't say, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, period. No. 
He said, I will fear no evil. Hallelujah. David, why don't you have to fear evil? <laughs> For thou art with me. You're with me, Lord. I don't care how deep the valley, how dark it is. You're with me. And David, where, where are you going to take comfort? Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. <laughs> Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Amen. And can I tell you, can I tell you, putting my arms around my wife after she had breathed her last, I can't describe that. And unless you've gone through it, you, you, you know, oh, Brother Church, I know how you're feeling. Well, if you haven't gone through it, no, you don't. Amen. I lost mom and dad and lost a brother and a sister. Brother Alex, it just felt like somebody had reached inside, Brother Mike, and just yanked out so much that was a part of me. Amen. But I have found out. Not just by reading and not just by preaching about it. I have found out, hallelujah, that he was with me every step of the way. Brother Pastor Blackshear, he was. He was there every step of the way. I thank God for the family of God, the friends, everything that everybody did. But friend, there's no one, there's no one like Jesus. Hallelujah. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Hallelujah. He's there. I know he's there. Well, there's about a half hour gone. Now, third, there's, there's the right way to handle the bitter experience. How long did Abraham wait for that promised child? <laughs> he was 100 years old, Pastor, and she was 90. But the promised child came. Amen. Yeah, thank God for Ishmael, I guess. We're still trying to take care of that problem. <laughs> you know, government say, well, we'll go in there in a few years. We'll take care of a situation thousands of years old. <laughs> but the promised child came. Wow. You talk about a mother being overly protective. I mean, Sarah was like that sow grizzly. You're not going to mess with my child. And does anybody know how old Isaac was when they made the journey to the mountain? Anybody? Well, he wasn't a kid, okay? <laughs> yeah. And God speaks to Abraham and says, uh, take now your son. And then the Bible, I don't think, just uses filler words, comma, 
thine only son, whom thou lovest. And take him to a young mountain, and I'll show you where you're going to sacrifice him. Abraham opens the tent flap. There would be no more sleep that night. He looks across to the fires of the heathens, and he knows that they're offering their children to Moloch. And and God hated that. I mean, he speaks about it in the Old Testament, how he detested that, and yet God, and he, he knows, there's no doubt in his mind, it was God that told him to do this. I somehow think he did not go to Sarah. Say, Sarah, I'm taking the kid, and we're going to go, and he's not coming back because I'm going to kill him. How, how is he going to tell Sarah that? We're, we're going on a journey, and we'll... They get to a certain point. God said, there's the mountain. And Abraham turns to the servants and stay, said, stay here. The child and I are going to Yon Mountain, and it's the first time you read the word to worship. <laughs> to worship. Abraham, you're taking your only, your only beloved son. You're taking him up there, and you're going to offer him as a sacrifice to God. You're going to go and worship? Yeah, we're going to go to worship. And not I will come. We'll come back. Hebrews said Abraham believed even if he had killed Isaac that God was able to raise him from the dead. So in Abraham's deepest, deepest, deepest trial, amen, Abraham said, I can worship my way out of this. I can worship my way out of this Mara experience. Devil, if you think I can only worship on the mountaintop, you got another thought coming. I can go to the deepest, darkest valley, and I can still worship. Somebody got a picture of, uh, I think Kim was on my left, and Kristen was on my right at the funeral, and we're standing. I don't know what part it was, but we're standing, and our hands are joined, and we're worshiping the Lord. We're worshiping the Lord. (laughs) Amen. We're having a going home celebration. The going home celebration happened a couple days before, but we're just celebrating it now. Amen. I can worship. Hallelujah. Devil, I want you to know one thing. You're not going to take my worship. You're not going to take my praise. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Go ahead right now. Right now. Just cry out to God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Woo. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. You may be seated for a few minutes here. Moses didn't panic. He didn't resign. He didn't hold a press conference. Amen. 
Moses knew exactly where to go. And expressed in one other word, pray. Find God, find him quickly. He didn't fuss with the public. Amen. He didn't tell the whole world his feelings. He went straight to God. He committed the whole matter to him. In essence, he said, this is your business, God. I'm just an agent. What are you going to do about it? I don't have the answer. I've seen quarterback come out. It's about third down, eight yards to go. So they go to their huddle, they get up, and they get to under center. And, I mean, just, you know, their mind is going. <laughs> but just in a few seconds, all of a sudden, he sees something that he really doesn't recognize. Oh, well, I'll just pull ahead. <coughs> no, he steps back and looks at the ref. Time out! Time out! There's some guys on the sideline that have been doing this a whole lot longer than I have. Amen. <laughs> And I don't have the answer to this situation, but I guarantee if I go over there and talk to them for a few minutes, they're going to have it. Hallelujah. Nothing wrong in saying, hey, time out. <laughs> hey, I don't know what to do. Amen. God, hey, I hope you have the answer because I don't. It's not complicated. It doesn't take rocket science. Pray. 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 Well, I prayed. Pray some more. Well, I prayed more. Well, pray some more. Hallelujah. Pray until you shake heaven. Hallelujah. Praise God. Sometimes, uh, amen, God, just how bad do you want this, son? Just how bad do you want this, daughter? He looked at a Syrophoenician woman, and at first he just ignored her. Disciples say, get rid of her, Lord. She's bugging us. She's not Jewish. She's, she's a Gentile. Lord, my daughter is vexed with a demon. And you think just by getting a cold shoulder, I'm like, oh, I got my feelings hurt. Pastor didn't shake my hand tonight. Oh, my, what am I going to do? And then Jesus insulted her. He said, healing is a children's bread. It's not, it's not fitting and right to take the bread and cast it to the dogs. Called her a dog. And she agreed with everything he said. Hey, friend, just agree with everything the book says. When those men stand in the pulpit, when Pastor Wicker stands in his pulpit... Amen. And deliver something. Praise God. Amen. Just take it as God's word. Hallelujah. Amen. Just take it as God's word. Praise God. God is our refuge. God is our strength. Psalms 46.1, a very present help in trouble. Here's Hannah. 
You know who Hannah was? The mother of who? Samuel. But she's barren. And Elkanah's other wife, Penina, she's, she's just giving him child after child. And she's holding that over her head. Penina's holding that over Hannah's head. So Hannah was really having trouble at home. So she went to church. Yeah. And she was so heavy in her heart that her lips were moving, but there was no sound coming out. And Eli, the priest, did not understand. He accused her of being drunk at church. Trouble at home? Trouble at church? And she turned to Eli and said, oh, no, sir, please. And she poured her heart out to him. And Eli said, within the year. Within the year, she had one of the greatest men of the Old Testament, Samuel. Not only that, she had, what, six or seven other children? Six more? <laughs> God just doesn't you know, sprinkle blessings on us. Man, he just pours it out on us. You know, some people give their praise like women put on perfume. You know, they got this big bottle, but they'll put a little on their finger and behind this ear, on this wrist and on that wrist. Or they'll They'll spray a little bit. My, my, my dad, yeah, walked through the mist. My dad, he, he, you know, when I hugged him, I always smelled Old Spice. That was my dad. And I don't think I've ever seen an Old Spice. Psh, psh. Old Spice is you take that stopper out. And we could go on forever and ever. <laughs> Daniel prayed. Daniel prayed. I said, Daniel prayed three times a day for years and years and years. 
So don't try to tell me when the edict was given that for 30 days, nobody can petition another person, a God, nothing except the king. And the king had stamped it, given his seal, and the law of the Medes and Persians could not be changed. And Daniel, knowing the edict that was given, if anybody does, they go to the lion's den. So he goes home, and he grabs his thickest blanket, and he goes way down in the basement of his, of his house, gets way back in a closet, shuts the door. No, no. He goes home. He looks out, and boy, there they are. <laughs> Hi, guys. He opens those windows. He gets down. And as he had done for years, he prayed, he prayed, he prayed. And Darius knew it. He said, Daniel, the God that you serve continually, he'll deliver you. Hallelujah. And he did. <laughs> There's Peter standing between the guards. James has been beheaded. And... Uh, Herod says, I'm going to do the same thing to this guy. Soldiers around, prison. And suddenly somebody's smiting him on the side. Will you leave me alone? I'm trying to get some sleep. And no, it's an angel. Come on, Peter. Get your garment and let's go. Shackles fall out. Doors open. Next thing Peter knows, he's standing on the outside. Well, where am I going to go? Uh, I think I'll go to where they're having a prayer meeting. So he gets there. What's her name? Rhoda? Comes and looks out. Slams it in his face. Goes running into where they're all praying for the deliverance of Peter. Hey, hey, Peter's at the front door. You're crazy. It's got to be his spirit, a ghost or something. I mean, here we are praying earnestly, praying, praying for deliverance. And deliverance is standing at the door and you slam the door in his face. Hey, friends, deliverance is on the way. Don't slam the door in its face. You stay, Sandy. I've got about an hour more, but I'll have mercy. And when, when Moses prayed, God showed him a tree. And he took the tree and he cast it down. Kimberly cast it into the water. And the water was made sweet. What tree do we know of that can be taken and cast into any situation and the bitterness goes? That tree is Calvary. I said, that tree is Calvary. <laughs> it doesn't make sense until you make a trip to Calvary. But oh, when I go to Calvary and I see who's hanging there, amen, the pieces start falling together. Amen. 
Oh, friend, tonight, I, I don't know if you're facing something. I'm sure there's got to be somebody in here that's facing some kind of test, trial, whatever. But would you bring it to Calvary tonight? Calvary always comes through. I said Calvary always comes through. That's when Calvary came through once again. When I lost all my courage to win, just when I thought I'd been defeated, the cross was all I needed. That's when Calvary came through once again.